Hello and welcome to the podcast, Where Did the Rabbit Go? A podcast where every week we look at a certain claim that has been made on social media, in the news, or something picked up in a casual conversation, and go down the rabbit hole together. I'm your host Marco, and this is show 38 for Thursday, October 15th, 2020. My dear rabbits, welcome back to another interview episode. I hope you're fine and you're all safe. Today's episode is going to be right in my sweet spot. We're going to talk about physics. Yay! And the reason is an inbox message that I received some weeks ago. Actually, just four days before my birthday. And please don't take this as bragging. In fact, receiving the following message felt quite humbling to me. And I will try to read this without getting my eyes watery this time. Hello, Mr. Marco. You probably don't remember me because it was seven years ago that you gave me the physics class in junior high. The point is that today I study physics at UNL, University of Nuevo León. I'm starting my fifth semester and I just really love with all my heart what I do. I study this major because of many reasons. And among them, there are some that are very special ones. So I wanted to thank you because the way you taught the class was great. I remember the specific procedure you wanted us to follow for every single exercise. You made it pretty clear, at least for me. You were passionate, and you in some way made me feel intrigued by the topics. My first approach to physics was in your class, and for that I feel grateful. I think the majority of people just encounter physics as intimidating and difficult, but I didn't see it like that. In many ways, that's because of the way you taught the subject. Keep up the amazing work, and thanks a lot. I just wish everyone could have physics teachers like you in junior high. You can probably hear that I broke my promise about the watery eyes. Receiving a message like this years later is an experience I wish every teacher can have. Because I know for all those good and dedicated teachers, there are some students who feel like this about them. So this came from a student called Edgar, who was in my classroom seven years ago. I had to thank him and to let him know that I do remember, of course. So we started a conversation where he let me know that he has a YouTube channel where he shared his experience of studying physics and where he gives lots of great advice that often goes beyond the subject. And when I saw that, I just knew I had to get Edgar on the show. And for this week, we could make it happen. We recorded the interview while we were live on Instagram last Friday. After that, I thought I might shake things up a little. Since the episode is already very long, I didn't want to make it even longer with a game of Find the Fake. So instead, I'm introducing a different, completely new segment called Five Fascinating Factoids. I hope you enjoy it. But now, I let you enjoy the conversation that I had with Edgar. Hi, mister. How are you? Hello, Edgar. How are you doing? Fine, fine. (laughs) I feel like in... (laughs) 
In the old days. In the old days, yes. Yeah, definitely. in the morning when all the teachers ask us, how are you? And we all said, fine, thank you. And you, almost exactly. like singing. Like singing, right. It's a routine. <laughs> but it always comes from the heart. Edgar, yes. welcome to my podcast. I'm so glad that we could do this. Thank you for so, inviting me. I am very excited. Yes, me too. I just want to give a little context. So a uh, few weeks ago, you wrote a really nice note to me uh, through Facebook. Um, yes. Where you pretty much uh, said, just thank you for the old days. Thank you for the classes. And um, so I was your physics teacher back in junior high or middle yeah, school. Yeah, in eighth grade. In eighth grade. Yeah. And um, so you wrote that you're studying physics now and that um, I had a little bit to do with that. And that's just the greatest thing to hear for a teacher. So I wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, thank and you. I wanted, and I wanted to ask you, um, yeah, why, why did you decide to write this note to me? Well, uh, I have wanted to do it uh, since mm -hmm. maybe six months ago, I guess, uh, because mm -hmm. at the time I didn't realize it. I, I was just thinking that your class was great. I I enjoyed it, but. Uh, I've been studying physics uh, since two years ago, and at one point I was suddenly realizing that my first encounter with uh, this area of science was with you, and it was something great. I really enjoyed it, I understood it, <laughs> and it was something at the time easy for me, and I realized that if my first experience wasn't like that, maybe uh, when I came to, to this decision, I would have said, no, maybe another thing, physics could be too difficult for me or, or whatever. So when I realized that, I, I said to myself, maybe one day I should thank him, thank him because mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people don't have this experience with physics or chemistry or, or biology, any science. Yeah, that's right. And when one day I shared a meme and you commented it was something physics related. Uh, I think uh, flat earth, something like that, uh, <laughs> a joke about the topic. And when you, I saw your comment, I thought uh, maybe this is my opportunity because I didn't know if you remembered me or if you remember any of your students <laughs> and maybe it would be weird. But then I, th I thought mm, he, he remembers me. Yeah. Uh, I might as well talk to him now. Oh my. You, you guys should just know, we teachers, we remember which classroom you were in, where you were sitting, your list number, <laughs> your handwriting. <laughs> we remember everything. Well, well, yeah, once again, thank you so much for that note. Uh, it means so much uh, when this truly, authentically comes from a student. Um, and I know that probably for every student like you, there are five who didn't understand the class or didn't enjoy it. <laughs> and uh, yes. just just in the same way, there are other students who feel like that about another teacher. Maybe in high school, maybe maybe in elementary, when, when they mm -hmm. touch base with something for the first time. I just think we have Facebook, we have all these tools now in our hands that make it easier to locate people. And I just think it would be a great way of appreciating our teachers, just to send them a little note. Yeah, it's for, for them to know that we remembered them. Exactly. And that Even they were special after. in our I life. did this once uh, for a teacher's day. 
I, I um, contacted my old school in, in Germany, I think this was like four years ago, and I wanted to thank my math and my physics teacher, those two people. And mm -hmm. I wrote them a note too, by email. And, and that was, of course, something they never expected coming from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And it also to you, it feels so good to show some gratitude. Well, yeah, because uh, today it's a, it's a big part of my life. And uh, it was because of very reasons, a lot of reasons, but you were the first one, I think, wow. or the first one I remember. So I, I really, if I already had you as a friend on Facebook and you were active on social media, yeah. that there was my chance, that was my chance. And Great. I took it. And we finally get a chance again to talk. And I'm so fascinated to hear that you're studying physics. Let's, let's talk about that experience a little. You're in your fifth semester? Fifth semester. So you're yes. halfway through. Yeah, it's uh, a career of eight semesters mm -hmm. in total. So yeah, I'm halfway through. Great. So what uh, what is it that you most enjoy about studying physics? Um, well, one of the things that I enjoy the most is that physics makes me feel like I'm still a kid because mm -hmm. I see I see physics as a tool that makes me uh, look at a phenomena and try to grasp a concrete idea of what, what's happening and it allows me to work uh, with it so that I can maybe understand it and maybe find something mysterious about the universe. So the, the idea uh, in physics that I could somehow do that in the future makes me feel like I'm, I'm a kid playing with this tool that it's mat mathematics and physics and all the physical models that exist. That's what I enjoy the most. And it makes me feel like I'm in a, in a kind of a movie of science fiction because the topics I like the most are black holes and oh, multiverse, yeah. quantum mechanics. And the fact that I am starting to, to study that deeply it's great. I, I can't believe it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you went for it. Um, I was thinking about it when I was your age, and a lot of people scare you out of it because it mm -hmm. is a tough career. And I always knew I wanted math, and I needed a second subject, and I actually had people talk me out of it. I, I went for English instead, which mm -hmm. I don't regret because this made me go abroad and put me on the path of my life that I'm currently at. But... I'm glad that I got a chance again to teach physics because like math and physics, they just go hand in hand. They complete each other perfectly. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember that at the time uh, in my head, you were kind of like a physicist because you were the physics teacher. <laughs> yeah, you represent your subjects, definitely. Mm -hmm. I, I'm also fascinated by these topics that you, you're saying. I just uh, finished re-watching on, on Netflix the whole Star Trek Next Generation series which talks a lot about these things, about time-traveling black holes, parallel universes, everything. There's this Mexican physicist, actually an astrophysicist. Uh, his name is Miguel Alcubierre. He's a professor in UNAM, in Ciudad de Mexico. He, while making his thesis, his doctorate PhD, he was looking at Star Trek, a show. Uh -huh. And they, I, I, I haven't seen it, but he says that in the show, they use uh, something called the warp drive. 
yes. uh, to travel far faster than speed of light. And when he saw that, he thought, maybe Einstein's relativity equations allow us to do that, really. So he went to his office, starting the, started to write the mathematics, the theory behind it. Then he put them inside the computer and he saw that that worked. That was a real idea. And he became really, really famous because of that. And he is the only person, I think, that has accomplished that, uh, that the, a way to travel faster than light between the rules of general relativity. Yeah, so this is a concept that fascinates me, definitely. So in the series there, I think in the 24th century, so maybe mm -hmm. by that time, maybe. we can have something <laughs> like that. Who knows? Yeah, did you see the, um, the black hole photo last year? Did you, did you see that one live? Yes, uh, I don't think I... No, yes, I did. Because I remember I got to my school and I was about to start my first class and I, I arrived. I arrived a little bit earlier and everyone was on their phones. Everyone. Mm. Uh, in the halls, in the classrooms, everywhere, everyone was on their phones and I didn't know what was happening. So I went to a friend and asked him what was happening and we saw the live together. Yeah. I forced yeah. it on my, my students, on my eighth graders. We, I also projected it on the, on the screen because I told them, if, even if you don't notice this now, right now, this could be a really great moment of history. It's historical. You don't want to miss it. Definitely. It's historical. And you don't want to miss it. It's not as spectacular as the first people on the moon, maybe. Yeah. Because you only but saw some pixels. It's definitely yeah. something really big. And what In is which Me Mexico played a very big part, yes. actually. Yes, one of the eight telescopes is here in Mexico. Yes. Let's talk about the other side. What's the hardest part about studying physics? Is it okay if I mention two aspects? Because, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, well, I think the most important one is the psychological part, because as you say, as you said, uh, people try to talk you out of it, because it's mm -hmm. something really difficult, and everyone has in their mind this picture of physicists of Albert Einstein or Richard Feynman and I don't know Maxwell for example and they are all geniuses they are all genius so you are studying physics and while while you're doing that you're comparing yourself to them to what they did at your age for example Einstein uh, re revolutionized physics at age 25 uh, Isaac Newton invented calculus and pretty much all physics when he was 25 and I am, I am 20 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, to think that at 25 someone did that, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. really, really crazy. So comparing yourself to them and realizing that topics that aren't so difficult uh, to PhDs or, or to your professors, you are really struggling with them right now. It's, it's really hard. But now that I am halfway through, I can look back and think about topics I saw in my first semester that were really abstract for me in, at that time. And now for me, it's a piece of cake. But yeah. my mind had to develop. My mind had to get used to think in an abstract way uh, using mathematics. Uh, because our mind, it's, uh, it's a muscle, you need to use it and it will get used to whatever you're doing. So 
I think there's that, that you are always thinking it's too difficult and that you, are, you, you, you just reach your limit. But I think if you're passionate enough, if you have the time and if you put the effort on it, you can finish, finish that, that major easily. If you have passion, time and effort, you can do everything. Of course, if you're, you're a genius, that will be great. <laughs> But yeah. not everyone is that lucky. So th there's that. That's difficult because the, the whole way, uh, the, fo the whole four years, people struggled with that. I think I am lucky because I realized that maybe it's not a thing to worry about that much. And another aspect is that it, it's actually very difficult because I need to study a lot of time, every, a lot of time every day. Now I am trying this semester with an application I have on my phone to keep track of, of how much time I dedicate every day to studying. And nowadays I am at an average of four hours a day, uh, plus wow. my, my classes and plus the YouTube channel and exercise and all, all of that and other others activities. So it's it's difficult yeah, you need to organize yourself if you want to really learn because if you want to pass the exams or just uh, deliver the the homework maybe you could uh, do it fine but i really really want to learn and so that i when i graduate i don't have these holes on my knowledge so it's actually difficult but you can do it yeah i think that the sky is the limit i mean the, mm -hmm. the thing that you said about having passion, that's important. No matter what you decide, it's going to be the walk of life for you. You have mm -hmm. to have passion for it. And then you can get anywhere, definitely. Yes. You mentioned something about um, it being difficult. Um, I remember you being a student who always aced the exams after <laughs> month. But um, have, you, uh, have you hit an obstacle in your uh, first semesters? Have you failed any courses? Yes. <laughs> yes. Which one was so, it? Well, uh, it was particularly difficult for me to mm -hmm. uh, to realize that I failed a subject because during uh, high school and my first year in aeronautical engineering, because I was at uh, aeronautical engineering for one year, I didn't fail any subject for those three years, never. So. In physics, in my second semester, I had this teacher. He was—he is a mathematician. He gave me the class of topics of algebra, which is a subject in which you learn. Really, it's like random subjects that you will need in, in the future about algebra, but they are really basic, like matrices, determinants, series, logarithms, and so. Yeah, I remember it, all that, of that. <laughs> yes, the the class was actually easy, but the exam. The exams were so difficult because he was a math major, he was doing his PhD and he was so rigorous. The exercises were really, really long and I only had one hour and I, I never finished one exam. I never, never finished an exam. So I, I failed. Uh, I, I, I think there was one exam. Uh, I had five questions. It, it was partial fractions and I only answered one because I only had time for one and it yes. actually was the, the easiest subject in the whole semester and I had like mm -hmm. 20, I guess. So I, I failed that class 
and <laughs> it was so difficult emotionally because I that that's like when I first realized that maybe this isn't for me. Maybe if I if I fail this class, imagine when I take quantum mechanics or relativity, what I'm going to do then. And I actually that that time, and this is kind of a funny story. I was raising money to go to vacations with my friends and my girlfriend, but if I failed that subject in my second opportunity, my parents were were not going to allow me to go. Mm -hmm. So there there was that, and I was so stressed. But at the end, I tried my second opportunity, and I got a 94 because for that time I had four hours to answer the exam. So I realized that right. maybe I just needed uh, a little bit more time. And it's good that you didn't give up. So let, let me also tell you a story. Like uh, when, when teachers, we see students like you, there's always this one part of us that thinks, so eventually you guys have to hit this obstacle. You also need to see what it's like mm -hmm. when, when what you did was not enough or when you need a second try. You also mm -hmm. need to build up that perseverance. Yes, so, because we are at the end of the day, we are humans. Exactly. And we need to learn how to deal with all of those situations. And I'm, and I'm glad that you didn't give up, but that you went through it. And sometimes, yeah, we say that failure or losing is the, is the best teacher because it teaches you how to get better and how to get to another level. Yes, that hasn't happened again. <laughs> so Good. I learned. I'm glad. I'm, but huge respect because... You said that this is a very tough career and in, in four semesters only failing one class or actually passing it in the second opportunity, that's mm -hmm. huge, huge respect. Thank you, thank you. Um, how has the pandemic changed the way that you experience classes right now? Well, uh, the last semester, it had a huge impact because I think the professors were the ones who had the hardest time to adapt to it mm -hmm. because I had teachers that didn't have a good connection and that every single one of their classes we only saw half the topic and we needed to well we just couldn't advance and there were also other teachers that already had their powerpoints prepared or that they made pdfs like some notes in a sheet of paper and they scanned it and that's how they gave their class and I think that that's what changed the most, that mm -hmm. some professors are those kind of teachers that they just need a, a blackboard and a pen, and, and they just start giving the class. And those kinds yeah. of teachers were the ones who failed last, sem failed last semester to finish giving the, the whole class. I had this one class called Celestial Mechanics, and the whole last chapter I didn't see anything about it, nothing, nothing at all. Bad. And I also think, well, maybe it's not that teachers fault or not all, not completely, because for me, it was also difficult to adapt to the pandemic. It, it also changed in positive ways. I used to take the bus all the days. I also, I used to spend a lot of money on food there because I was there all day. And now I can wake up a little bit later. I can have breakfast when I want. I don't spend money. I don't waste time on the bus. But there's also that I can get distracted really easily because I have my phone here. I have my yes. PlayStation here. I have my brothers and sisters. But uh, now, the, the semester, 
me and the teachers, I think we are doing much better than last semester. Uh, I am more organized. I already got used to being seated all the day in my, in my desk with my laptop. Uh, things are getting better. Uh, if the next semester is like this, I will be okay. Yes, I think the next semester is going to be like this. And yeah, I, I concur with you. I think we have gotten better. And I mean, now teachers can use a, a whiteboard or a blackboard, maybe virtually or just like you. I see you have a board uh, in your background. Yes, there and is we can also still <laughs> we can also still use PowerPoints or animation. So anything is possible. I think we just needed time. And back in March, it was really just from one day to the other. Try, yes. it, try it online and um, teachers needed some time. And now that we had the whole summer break, I think we are doing a better job. But yeah, you mentioned the distractions. Absolutely. Um, you're a big family. There's always somebody in the house. And, yes, uh, <laughs> always. You said your phone is there. It's, it's tough not to get distracted. Is there still anything that you wish improved about the way this works right now? Yes, I... I would like if the teachers, well, maybe this is also something when we had presential classes, uh, but I, I don't want to say hate, but it bothers me a little when someone doesn't prepare the class and I still have to be there and I feel like I'm wasting my time. And as you probably noticed, I am really picky with how I select the things I do, the things I put my time into so I would like that to change I would like that they prepare their classes or if they don't uh, give us the hour you know and we have really important things to do uh, yeah I, I think that maybe that's also something that we students can do I mean make a good use of your time and the teachers make good use of our time I think that's Exactly. There's room to improvement there. Yes. I think if a class works for a student, it's always kind of 50-50. So mm -hmm. part of it is the teacher, part of it is the student. And there has to be also a bond between teachers and students, right? And uh, mm -hmm. I think that's a little tough right now through the screen to achieve yeah, this bond with the people. Most of us don't turn on the, the cam, for example. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's an absolute rule in my classes. Cameras have to be on. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Even if I don't like the way I look on camera, that's why I'm doing a podcast and not a YouTube channel. <laughs> but um, yeah, talking about that, you already mentioned it, that you also have a YouTube channel. Could you tell the listeners uh, what it is about? Okay, yes. So my YouTube channel, uh, I use it to tell my story, my life being a physics student, because when I wanted to study physics, there was no one for me to talk to. I needed to go to the faculty of physics and actually ask for the physics students because we are, in my generation, we are like 40, maybe less. Yes. So uh, there's no information about this online, on YouTube, anywhere. What made me decide to create the channel was when I heard a talk in a Congress uh, they mentioned that in Mexico, per 100,000 people, there are just 20 PhDs, 20 people making investigation. 
and not just in physics, in all areas. Everything. And they then mentioned that in Germany, for example, out of 100,000 people, 400 were PhDs. Mm. Those results made me think that maybe there's something we Mexicans are doing wrong or aren't doing. And I, I tried to think about an idea about something that I could do to make a change in the future. But I wanted to start now. And I knew that I didn't master, I wasn't an expert in any field. But I then realized that maybe a huge part of a huge reason of why people didn't study physics is because nobody tells you how it is. Mm -hmm. So I then had this idea of starting my YouTube channel about this topic in particular for them to see that it's possible even if you're not a genius, even if you are not so disciplined or organized, you can actually do it eventually. Uh, because if I can do it, I am an average person, everyone can do it. That's what I want to transmit with all my videos. I also do a little bit of science communication, but basically that's the idea and the reason I started my YouTube channel. Great. So I think there's this great point that you mentioned and I want to um, just point it out again. You said there was this thing that you wish that was there, but that didn't exist for you. So instead of being negative about it, complaining about it, you decided to create that thing. And I think that's exactly the attitude. So it's not out there. So how many people will just feel like you? So why not create it? And I think what what's great about your channel is it's all very authentic. And it really shows yeah, your, your struggles. You give a lot of great advice. Um, for my listeners, it's all in Spanish. So, uh, yes. But yeah, there's videos about how to prepare for, um, for difficult exams or how to deal with failing one. There was this one that fascinated me um, where you actually calculated and it was super easy once I saw it, how it's done, how you estimated the age of the universe. Yes, how it's did, super how easy. <laughs> how did you get to that idea? I saw that problem in a class in astronomy and when I saw it, it was like, wow, this is so easy. Everyone should yes. be able to do this. So I needed to put it on my channel. Right, you don't even need trigonometric functions or huge equations nothing. not calculus nothing at all and it's a really uh, incredible impressive calculation yeah so i will take your example i will try this with my students this year as a challenge because i think eighth grade students they have the math tools they need for this definitely yes actually totally so um what is your routine around your youtube channel how many videos do you make per week and what's usually your schedule your routine how do you work well it's been kind of like an adventure because when i started my youtube channel i maybe uploaded like once every two weeks and when the when the pandemic started i didn't upload for three weeks i think three, three weeks in a row without any videos but now i upload at least once a week uh, and sometimes three times a week but it really depends on how much homework I have how well I organized myself that week and I'm still on that journey and think I'm going to get there but yeah. I'm still not there I would like to upload three times a week every week 
but I don't know yet. But I think you're doing great. When you contacted me, uh, I, I followed your channel immediately. I subscribed and I think there was something like 1,800 followers and I checked it out yesterday again and you were already over 2,200. It was a lucky time for you to check <laughs> because I uploaded a video that was really successful about mm -hmm. physics student versus engineering student and that video took off. So the, it, it was a good time for my channel. That's, that's what this is about. Eventually you have this video that resonates with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really glad that it works out like this for you. So uh, what's your plan? Where do you hope to get with this video channel? Um, I would like to get to as many people as possible as I can get because I really think that the reason uh, there's really few people studying physics is because no one tells you about it and not, not even how it is to study physics, just about physics. Very few people have uh, the luck to walk into a science communication that YouTube recommends you some video that you maybe could be interested about. So uh, I want that my channel inspires people that aren't even thinking about physics at all and to try or to even consider to study physics or maybe engineering could be, chemistry could be also. I, I am not like against that. I, I really support any science uh, major, any STEM major. And I would like maybe in 20 years when I am a father, I have my own family to see that the physics career is much more normalized, maybe as much as an engineering career or as medicine, for example, because when I <laughs> tell people that I study physics, they automatically say that I will be a teacher somewhere that, or maybe I, that I won't have a job in the future, but that's just because they don't know what physics is. They don't know what a physics yes. major is. We can do so many things and I think that's also one of the reasons that people don't study physics. So what's my goal? What's my objective? That in a future, in a very, very far away future, to say that the physics major is normalized. Yes. Definitely. That's so. so what was interesting for me, and that's why I think you are on the right track, is when I asked you this, you didn't just come with a number of, of subscribers, but... You actually told me like what's the goal like your mission and and that's great to hear maybe many people get scared of physics because when it's first introduced in middle school it's uh, just like another math class for many and people are also afraid <laughs> of math so I think in, yes in math physics well all stem we need to bring that closer to people um, we need to get them excited or rather keep them excited because little kids are excited about this they explore the world, they, they have lots of questions, lots of why questions. And as they grow older, like through upper elementary and middle school, this gets lost for many. And just in the end, we just have those people like you who still feel like they are a child when they play around with equations and with variables. Yes, with totally. Maybe I am just realizing this, but part of it could be that superheroes like Spider-Man are actually scientists. Yes. You know, so I, I really like when I see a movie and Spider-Man says something about quantum mechanics or multiverse mm -hmm. and I am like, 
oh, I understand that, and I feel like I'm, I am Spider-Man. I actually have a Spider-Man suit. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, what, what you said is really important. I feel like people or society has science in this pedestal really, really tall and far away. And we scientists need to pick it up and get it down. For, because science is not this impossible thing to understand. It's just something, something that takes time. And even if you don't want to get into the math, you can actually understand the concepts pretty deeply with science communication. You don't need to be a scientist to actually understand chemistry or biology or anything. So, okay, you already answered the follow-up question that I had, I think, because my question would have been, which one is your favorite superhero? But I think we have uh, that. <laughs> totally, Spider-Man. Uh, I don't have my suit right. near me, but uh, you can see that on my, on my Instagram. I have, I have pictures with my suit. Okay. I really, really look like Peter Parker. Great. I need to check that out. I would go for Iron Man, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, if I if it wasn't Spider-Man, I would go for Iron Man. Which, for all he knows, I for me he's more a physicist in at least in the Marvel movies than an engineer. But he's great. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. So yeah, you said science communication is very important. So I think people always, like you mentioned, think about people like Einstein. Often think of a crazy scientist with a white lab coat and messy hair. Um, but <laughs> I think also people that I a lot of admire are. People like Carl Sagan, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye, who are great in communicating science and getting kids excited about it. And I think those people we also need to admire more. And I feel that your channel is going in that direction. Oh, thank you. That's really nice of you to say. I also share your, your opinion about Neil deGrasse or Carl Sagan. I admire them so much. The work they do on Cosmos... It's amazing. Actually, in the last season of Cosmos, Neil deGrasse Tyson mentions Miguel Alcubierre, the physicist mm. I told you about earlier. He talks about him in one episode because the magnitude of his work, just as a fun fact. Yeah. But science communication, it's really, really important. I'm, I'm looking at the clock. Uh, we're already in 36 minutes. We probably could go on for hours. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, let me ask one last question. You mentioned about this last chapter in the course, Celestial Mechanics. So mm -hmm. did you get to learn anything about it or is that still for the future? No, yeah, I actually learned uh, things. The first chapter was about Newtonian mechanics and we took our knowledge of first semester because Newton mechanics is the first thing you see. But we took that and took it as, as far away as, as you can just until the point you need to say you need to see the Lagrangian, Lagrangian formulation for classical mechanics but basically celestial mechanics is a formalism that allows you to predict the orbits of celestial bodies uh, we made calculations of uh, what would be the trajectory of a, a, a rocket from here to mars and how could it come back uh, in a way that they don't run out of gas, for example? Yeah. Like, will that be an ellipse, a parabola, or what uh, geometrical form will it be? Uh, calculate the time, uh, things like that. I don't know if that's 
that answers your question. And yeah, right. And kids are fascinated by this. They ask me, like, how long does it get to take to Mars or to Pluto uh, or mm -hmm. to Venus? Actually, getting to Venus and Mercury is not that easy. No. Because, because like, no, you have no, to slow the spacecraft down. Yeah, actually, it's. It, uh, I am going to ask you this uh, mm -hmm. because I, I, I answered it wrong. What's more difficult for you to throw something into the sun, directly into the sun, or to throw something out of the solar system? Yeah, I think I, I just heard this. It's more difficult to throw something into the sun because yeah. of the uh, trajectory that Earth also has. So these things are like spiraling. Yeah, so that, that's it. It's way more difficult to cancel out the velocity we have in our orbit mm -hmm. because we are moving, I think, 11,000 kilometers per hour, I something guess, like something that, like yes. that. And it's much easier to throw it just a little bit faster than that, get it out of Earth, and when it's out of our gravitational field, it's going to keep in, on a straight line yes. unless it's affected by other planets. But mm -hmm. throwing it to the sun requires much more energy. We actually can't do it with our technology. No. Yeah, you're right. It, it's this spiral motion. And out, you, you just use the velocity that Earth already has mm -hmm. and yes. just throw it out. That's right. Well, we, I'm fascinated. We could do this for hours, I think. <laughs> yes. So maybe we have to do another episode, a follow-up, or also one for your YouTube channel. I want yeah, to I ask, would like that. I want to ask one last question that I always want to close with because it's like a positive note. So we, we leave with something good. Um, when, when you look into the future, and I know we live in a very complex world right now, but if you think about the future, what is the thing that you are most hopeful about? I will say that in the future, I, I, I see that my generation, it's very empathetic. I mean, my, my friends and friends of my friends, the whole social, social media, I think we are a generation that feels empathy a lot. So I wish that in the future, that's something that stays so that we can understand people with different beliefs uh, mm -hmm. more easily. Because I see that for our grandparents, maybe, or our fathers even, it's difficult to grasp some ideas that are coming up right, right now in these days. And I think that is going to give us more peace as a society. So I hope for that. That's, that's great. You're the third person on my podcast who, who gave a very similar response here. And I couldn't agree more. Your generation uh, is a very empathic uh, one. So I, I had Paola on the podcast a few weeks ago. And you were classmate, uh, classmate yes. with Paola, actually. And yeah, she also said this. So she has this one project uh, which... Um, allows people to get to secondhand clothes easier because um, lots of people like Paola of your generation actually see a lot of problems in fast fashion, for example. Or mm -hmm. if we look at all these Fridays for Future that we had before the pandemic, where millions of, of young people were going on the streets because of climate change. So I, yes. I think you guys are seeing the big problems, you are seeing the big picture, and you are willing to do something about it. Yeah, I shared your vision totally. Yeah. We actually, I think Paul and I had that class together that year, physics yes. class. Yes, it was 8D, I still remember. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 8D. So, um, 
I think we'll wrap this up here, and we ha I think we definitely have to do this again. Uh, just tell my listeners, where can they find you on YouTube or Instagram? In my YouTube channel, it's my name, Edgar Delgado. Uh, go follow me under if you want to know more about physics or about how it's st uh, to study physics. You have my Instagram here, and I think that's all. All right. Well, this Thank was... you very, very much for inviting me. It was great. Thank you for doing this. I think this is only the first part of several. We have to do this again. Yes, we well, need Edgar. to do this again. And, well, take care, Edgar. So I hope to see you soon. Take care, mister. See you All soon. Right. Thank you, Edgar, for taking the time and having this conversation with me. And something tells me that this is not going to be our last cooperation. But now, to round up the show, here's the brand new segment, Five Fascinating Factoids. Number one, Pluto has not completed an orbit around the sun since the American Declaration of Independence. What? That's right. Pluto takes approximately 248 years to orbit the sun once. And we all know, of course, that it has not yet completed one orbit since its discovery in 1930. But even counting since the American independence, we are still in the same Pluto year. It will complete one orbit, counting from July 4th, 1776, somewhere in the year 2024. Factoid number two. There was a moment in time when you were the youngest person alive. This, of course, makes absolute sense once you think about it, but we never really do think about this. From the moment you were born until the moment the next baby was born, nobody on Earth was younger than you. At an average of currently 4.3 births per second on Earth, this condition was likely shorter than one second. But hey, for that fraction of a second, you were holding a world record. Number three you never really touch anything. Remember, everything is made of atoms. And orbiting on the outer shells, every atom has negatively charged electrons. And since like charges repel, the electrons of your finger's atoms, let's say, as they get really close to the electrons of the atoms in the pen you are holding, they repel. It is that electromagnetic force of repulsion that you feel. Technically, your finger and the pen do not touch because their atoms don't touch. Number four, you are 6.7% more likely to die on your birthday than on any other date of the year. Now, how can that be? I just guess that on your birthday, you are probably going to party and there's more likely alcohol involved, more people involved and accidents can happen. Generally speaking, our behavior under those circumstances is just riskier. And we repeat this behavior every year on that same date, adding up to the risk. Number five, you have never really experienced the present. Everything you experience has already passed. Well, information takes time until it reaches us, even at the speed of light. The light from about 30 centimeters or one foot away needs around a billionth of a second to get to your eyeballs. And sound is much slower than that. A sound from the same distance needs around a thousandth of a second. And then once our nerve cells receive those signals, they still need to travel to the brain 
which takes several hundredths of a second. So whatever you experience, if it happens right next to you, once you're aware of it, it has already happened. That's it for the new segment. I hope these factoids keep you wondering. Please let me know what you think about it and if you want more of this segment. And one more thing, please think about any teacher that made a positive difference in your life. I know that you all should have some teachers that were just very helpful on your journey. Please think of them and let them know that they were an important part of the journey to who you are now. And spread some love and gratitude. It really means a lot. Dear Rabbits, this is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for taking your time and listening. Please look for Edgar on Instagram and YouTube and follow him for video content with great value about physics, but also beyond it. You can find my podcast on Instagram at Where Did the Rabbit Go? And over there, you can also participate in the trivia games, which took a break this week. If you like the show and you want to support me, there are very easy and painless ways to do so. You can rate and review the show. That would make a great difference. It makes it easier for other people to find the podcast. And please subscribe to the show and share it with people who you think might enjoy it as well. Communicate with me using the hashtag where did the rabbit go? Stay safe and stay curious. Until next Thursday, I am Marco and this has been Where Did the Rabbit Go?